You're listening to Quintessentially Mental, a podcast hosted by Sure Eyes. Please note that this host is not a mental health practitioner or professional, and this podcast is not meant for treatment of any mental illness. Baobalb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with baobalb.org. Hey y'all, you're listening to Quintessentially Mental, the podcast, and I'm your host, Shiraz. Another day, another day. Had uh, quite an interesting chat with one of my cousins. Um, we, we spoke a bit about our familial or family issues and how that potentially affects us and things that we're expected to do to show um, progress or show that we're dealing with things. And one of the things he asked me was, yeah, but why must I go to a therapist? Now, this is quite a, you know, interesting conversation where, you know, people think that using therapists you have some kind of holy grail and they're going to fix you and all of a sudden things are going to be okay and you're going to be you know resolved of all your issues and life is just going to be dandy (laughs) that's not necessarily true although let's deconstruct that a bit why a therapist so all i asked him was if you broke your arm would you go and put a cast on yourself? He looked at me and started laughing and was like, uh, obviously not. And I was like, oh, so if you, you know, had some kind of physical health illness, are you going to medicate yourself? Are you going to write your own script? Are you going to perform open heart surgery? Are you going to, you know, why, why would we treat our, mental health different to how we treat our physical health he laughed and he was like okay I see your point and I was like yeah all therapists are are another type of medical practitioner um and so I think you know we the we we forget that there are specialists for all types of health so we have you know GPs cardiologists um, I don't know, neurosurgeons, pediatricians, you know, we have all those kinds of medical practitioners, oncologists, you know, we, we have all of these types of medical practitioners when it comes to our physical health. And if we look at, you know, despite what you believe in or regardless of what you believe in, there, you know, there is some idea of spiritual health. And this could be your spiritual health practitioner, could be your priest or your rabbi or your imam or your um, shaman or your, um, you know, whichever type of your clairvoyant, your you know, whatever other type of practitioner you deem qualified enough to deal with your spiritual health. And so the same, I think, goes for mental health, right? And so these are people who are trained. And when I say trained, I mean 
They also went to school. They also went and studied the subjects that pertain to this particular topic, whether it be, um, you know, family psychology, whether it be, um, you know, psychiatry, whether it be, you know, studying the, the, you know, Freudian um, types of belief system, whether it's cognitive behavioral therapy or, you know, any other type of um, therapies where there's actual learning behind and actual, you know, studying of the subject behind what it is they're specialists in. And so the idea of therapy isn't, you know, we should just kind of hand off all of our problems to some unknown third party, you know, who is going to wave their therapeutic wand and all of a sudden we're going to be cured. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I sometimes joke and I think I'm like, why do I like, why do I pay my psychiatrist when she doesn't give me answers? You know, we, these, these aren't people who necessarily, it's been my experience where it hasn't necessarily been people who, provide answers or provide solution per se or provide the action and next steps that I need to take to deal with my particular situation and and so this conversation with my cousin evolved I said you know and and so that's what therapists are whether you go to um a psychiatrist who is also a practicing therapist and that's more if there's been a medical diagnosis um, there might be, you know, medical, and when I say medical, I mean medication intervention or hospitalization intervention that needs to happen in order to address the issues that you face. Um, and then he was like, yeah, I don't think my issues are that deep. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You might not need a psychiatrist, but, you know, you you may need to talk to a social worker or a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, or a behavioral psychologist, or a um, occupational therapist who helps you kind of deal with, you know, work-related or school-related issues. You know, there's this range of therapy, and I think the you know we blanket all types of therapeutic intervention under one umbrella, and so view it as you know, if I'm going to therapy, I must need medication, as an example. And this isn't, this isn't necessarily true. You know, there, there are different ways and means of dealing with one's um, mental health state. It doesn't always have to involve medication. It doesn't always have to involve a therapist. But I think, you know, refusing help of, or refusing the notion of reaching out to a therapist because you think that therapy is only for lunatics. I think that is the problem, right? The fact that we we see mental health support and mental health care and mental health help as th- those things needed by crazy people. <laughs> when essentially... It's just about when you can't cope with a situation or you don't necessarily know how to deal with your overwhelming, and it doesn't even have to be overwhelming, when you don't know how to deal with feelings that impact your life, you sometimes reach out to um, a therapist. 
that said, you know, we will we'll take a break and I will share my journey of how I actually ended up going to therapy. I mean, I speak I speak at length about being in therapy since I was whatever, like 19 years old, maybe younger, maybe a bit older, I'm not sure. Um, but I speak about being in therapy for a prolonged period of time at length. And so I think it's worth delving into what were those situations, what were those, um, what led me to actually believing in therapy as a form of mental health support. So after we'll take the short break and uh, thank you to our host, Baobalb Org, who graciously hosts such beautiful topics like mental health care discourse. Um, and we'll I'll catch you after the break. This is a Spudcaster podcast from Baobalb.org. And we're back. You're listening to Quintessentially Mental, the podcast, and I'm your host, Shiraz. So before the break, I promised you a bit of a delve into my backstory with therapy, um, which I think is not the traditional one, I think, but I think it does highlight, you know, the points that I'm trying to make and how I eventually got to a point where I do believe that um, therapy is one of the tools I have in dealing with and coping with my mental health. I think I was in shoe, I think I was still in primary school, late primary school, maybe early high school. I can't remember exactly. So maybe around between the ages of, let's say, 11, 12, and 13, 14 years old. Definitely not 14. So maybe like 11, 12 years old. And my parents had the most uh, turbulent and dysfunctional relationship I still have ever seen in my in my whole damn life um and while they were going through their rough periods my mom thought okay it might be a good idea to have these kids see someone um who at that point was a social worker to be able to help them deal with their emotions kind of cope with the the situation that you know we found ourselves in so I remember going to this, we went to FAMSA, which only in my later years did I realize was kind of like a free stroke affordable mental health care facility that offers mental health services um, across the spectrum, focusing on relationships and more specifically family relationships. Anyway, so we go to this, we go to this woman, and I can't remember if it was just myself and my sister or if it was myself, my sister, and my, I can't remember who all was there. I know my mom was there, um, but I can't remember who else. And I remember sitting with this woman, and she gave me um, a page that had a wheel on it. And the wheel had had been split into, you know, different areas of my life. And I kind of had to color in how I felt on the different dimensions. And I just thought okay, lady, now now what now? Like, what is this supposed to do? What is this supposed to help me with? Like, I don't understand. So I think if we look at therapy trap number one, I think my mom didn't quite explain to us what it is we were doing at that place. 
Um, maybe she didn't have the words. Maybe she didn't have the ability. Maybe, she, you know, she didn't really explain what was going on. The therapist herself didn't quite explain why I needed to color in, like, ooh, color your feelings, or I just didn't understand. She was like, okay, where do you see yourself? And just color in. And I was like, but what what is the end goal? What is what are you actually trying to help me with? What is this going to give you insight to? And it was then that I realized I had uh, quite a questioning and critical mind where I didn't see the point in doing something for the sake of doing something. I needed to uh, understand exactly why I was doing um, what I was doing. And I needed to understand, you know, yeah, I just needed to understand. Fast forward my first year of university. No, second year. First or second year of university, I think it was my second year, where I was in a relationship that had me, because of my own insecurities and because of my own um, kind of perception of my self-esteem and self-worth, I I really struggled in my relationship where I struggled to separate myself from the person I was in a relationship with, where I struggled to you know, not view his actions as a slight on me or not read his behaviors as has as being something to say about me. Um, I took things that he did pretty personally. I I thought that, okay, what he's doing, saying, being, acting, it's just living, basically just living. I thought that that might be a reflection of me. And so I went to student health and I started a um I started seeing a social worker um through through student health and again I was left questioning like what am I doing how is this helping what is the point what is the plan um why 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 am I doing this I don't understand fast forward a few more years when I was in my first year of like formal employment where through the company's like employee wellness program, they had access to, or we had access to a psychologist. And I met with the psychologist and eventually, you know, she started putting things in perspective. And I thought, okay, so you're going to help me understand myself and help me understand why I do the things I do and help me understand, you know, the things that affect me. Um, and I, 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 at that time I only had like with employee wellness, you only had a set number of sessions that you had access to. And so I found myself having to, the minute we just started getting into the crux of the situation, the number of sessions that I had, uh, ran out. And I thought, okay, now I must go find someone new and explain my whole long story to them again and then try and get to the crux again. And, you know, and I kind of felt defeated where I was just like, how am I, how am I going to find someone I click with? How do I find someone that I'm not going to grow tired of explaining my situation? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, like, not to sound arrogant, but sometimes you've got to feel like, 
your therapist is as smart as you. And that can mean a number of things, right? That can mean understands your cultural context or understands, um, you know, understands the way your brain reasons or the way your brain makes connections. And so, I, you know, I kind of stopped, started, stopped, started, stopped, started therapy until about 2014. Yeah, beginning of 2014, where again went through a really, you know, so, so uh, before I get to that, another trend I noticed was I only really reached out for therapeutic help when my life was in crisis, when things were completely falling apart, where I was going through, you know, really dark depressions, where I was becoming dysfunctional and actually couldn't you know, look after myself, I was like, ooh, maybe I need help. And so maybe the idea is also not to wait until your life becomes dysfunctional. The other flaw I made was through my stop, start, stop, start, the minute I started feeling not better, but like good about something, I would stop going to therapy because I thought I was cured. (laughs) I thought I was great. I thought I was fine. Not realizing that even in those periods, it's good to gauge my coping ability when I am feeling better, when I'm not feeling like my entire life is a disaster and things are coming to crash down, you know. Anyway, in 2014, I eventually found this therapist who specialized in relationships and and to think and you know kind of in hindsight this is probably where the diagnosis for my borderline personality disorder which is a relational type disorder started coming to the fore where I I started to notice the trend that I was fine by myself but the minute I included another person especially in a romantic situation in this mix shit would get all kinds of fucked up like I would lose my lose my lose my damn mind and it was at a point where the person I was in a relationship with had yet again you know betrayed me in in quite a hurtful deep way um I'd I'd kind of gone on a little going on a yoga retreat, um, which I it was a real yoga retreat. It wasn't me, it wasn't code for me going into hospital. I was actually at a yoga retreat. Um, and then I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I should go see a therapist who specializes in the thing that I am struggling with. And maybe I also didn't realize that all the, the things that I had been through all the different experiences in my life that I had been through, what what issues that created. Maybe I wasn't clear on that. So sure, I had trust issues and daddy issues and abandonment issues and rejection issues. And sure, I had all of those things, but I didn't know how that actually impacted and played out in my life. And it played out in my romantic relationships. But that seems almost like a no-brainer. But how did it play out in my in my romantic relationships? And so I think when I went to go see this particular professional who was a specialist in relational or relationship disorders.
disasters and relationship disasters. And being able to talk to someone who wasn't of the, you need to do this, 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 and this to fix yourself. You need to, you need to, you know, there was no, there was no dictation or dictatorship, I guess. I don't know what the right word is, but there was no, this is how it should be. And these are the steps you need to follow. There was almost the space for me to reflect on my experience, reflect on my behavior have someone as a sounding board, have someone who understands that I'm an intelligent person who is naturally inquisitive and curious and who wants to be able to figure things out on my own. I want to be able to figure things out on my own. I think the minute we place our power in someone else's hands, the minute we, you know, the minute we, Gosh, like the minute we expect someone else to solve our problems for us, I think we put ourselves in a very one disadvantage, but also a dangerous situation. I think it absolves us of responsibility and accountability. I think it makes it easy for us to blame someone when things don't work out per se. Um, and so I think it's really important for me to have been able to take that power back, especially having gone through relationships where I didn't feel like I was empowered. I didn't feel like I, I mattered, you know. And so to build a relationship in a safe place, you know, we talk about this proverbial therapeutic safe place and we'll probably, you know, we can maybe get to that in another episode. But, you know, it... It, it was really important to me to start feeling like I mattered. So, is therapy the only tool? No. Is therapy going to fix us all? Probably not. What I do think is that we shouldn't just shut down therapy because we think it's for crazy people. You get different types of therapists who deal with and specialize in different types of psychological and mental contexts. I guess I don't want to say traumas or issues or, you know, but different contexts. Um, you could, if you went through something especially traumatic, you get trauma counselors. If you are struggling with the death of someone, you get grief counselors. You know, if you are just simply struggling with managing stress, you know, you get people who specialize in that too. And I think, you know, don't knock it till you've tried it. If you've tried, and also don't knock it till you've tried it enough times to be able to figure out why it does or doesn't work for you. Anyway, on that note, darlings, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. And um, join me next week for for more of my mental health musings and remember we are always 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 fully ourselves toodles thank you for listening to this spudcaster podcast don't forget to like share and subscribe you've been listening to quintessentially mental the podcast hosted by sure eyes join us next week as we continue the conversation about mental health and remember we are always perfectly ourselves.